This is America on Par, a powerful bunch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, hey, tell your friends, this podcast I've titled Elections Have Consequences Part 1. And I'm calling it Part 1 because I'm sure I'm going to have to come back and deal with this topic again. We just don't seem to be able to learn this lesson, but it's important. I want to go back to the re-election of Barack Obama in 2012. In 2008, Obama received about 69.5 million votes and trounced John McCain in the process. In 2012, he got about 66 million votes. That's three and a half million votes fewer than he got four years earlier. It actually it also ended up being fewer electoral college votes than he had gotten four years earlier. And yet he was still able to win. He had less support. And usually when that happens in American history, the sitting president loses. When you lose support, you lose the election. Well, Barack Obama lost support, but still was able to eke out a win. Why? Because Republicans, because conservatives stayed home and didn't vote for Mitt Romney for a variety of reasons. Some decided he wasn't conservative enough. Some decided they weren't going to vote for a Mormon. So instead, we got a liberal who, best I can tell, is agnostic as our president again for another four long years because people decided they weren't going to vote. Well, on Friday, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia died. He was arguably the most conservative member of the court, at least certainly one of. An excellent jurist believed in the Constitution and the letter of the law. He believed that words had meaning and that the actual text of a law was what should be considered when, when you're trying a case, not how lawmakers felt about something at the time. What was on the paper, not what you wanted to be on the paper, John Roberts. And all of these five, four decisions that we've had over recent years, he was on the conservative side. Whether we won 5-4 or lost 5-4, he was on the conservative side. If Mitt Romney had been elected in 2012, a conservative would be nominated this week to replace Scalia. Well, Romney lost because conservatives stayed home and because elections have consequences, President Barack Obama is going to nominate a liberal to the court. But it won't be any liberal. It will be the person he believes will be the biggest wedge issue in America designed specifically to divide our nation and embarrass conservatives in an election year. Maybe it's an Asian American from Florida or an openly gay judge from Colorado, something along those lines that will cause controversy simply for controversy's sake. Elections have consequences. This is what happens when conservatives don't vote. Something similar has happened in Louisiana. Last fall, the state elected a new governor. At the time of the election, every statewide office was held by a Republican, every one of them. The state legislature was Republican. 
Louisiana was just about as red as red can get. There were three Republicans running for governor and one Democrat in the open jungle primary. And the Republicans were beating each other up. It was brutal. And feelings got hurt. When sitting Senator David Vitter made it to the runoff against the Democrat John Bell Edwards, people in the Republican Party were still so angry about the politics of the primary, they failed to unite around the GOP frontrunner. In this reddest of red states, every statewide seat today is held by a Republican except one. John Bell Edwards, the Democrat, won the governor's race by about 650,000 votes to 500,000 votes for Vitter. If the Republicans had simply united behind the Republican candidate, they would have won by 150,000 votes. Instead, they lost by 150,000 votes. Jay Darden, who came in fourth in the jungle primary, endorsed Edwards, the Democrat. Darden, Republican, endorsed Edwards, the Democrat. Scott Angel, a Republican who came in third in the jungle primary, didn't endorse anybody. Elections have consequences. That brings us to last Thursday. The new governor, Edwards, demanded primetime TV coverage for an emergency address. He went on air live to tell the state there was a budget crisis, and if Louisiana didn't act now to raise taxes, there would be no LSU football in the fall. I'm not kidding. He took money away from those TV stations. Remember, they lost revenue by missing those commercial spots for this live address. There wasn't like a, a crisis. It's not like Louisiana was being invaded. There wasn't a hurricane going on. This was a political address where he took money away from broadcasters, private companies, for a political address to tell everybody in the state that things are so bad we might not ever have football again. Look, it's obviously a scare tactic. The new governor apparently didn't realize that the state could simply find other places to cut spending. Louisiana spends more of its budget on, on government than any other state in the South. Higher percentage of it. But this Democrat governor has learned from our Democrat president, Barack Obama, how to use a crisis to create false arguments to scare the public into doing what you want. Since Thursday, some recall efforts have gotten started with a few thousand people signing up to help out. Well, that's great, but the problem is elections have consequences. According to the laws of Louisiana, one-third of all registered voters would have to sign the recall petitions. That means, when, since there are about three million registered voters in Louisiana, you'd have to have about a million signatures to force a recall election. That is about twice the number of people who voted for the Republican David Vitter last fall. 150,000 additional votes would have done it last fall in the runoff. Now you need a million signatures. 150,000, a million. Here's what's worse. There are 800,000 registered Republicans in Louisiana. If they had just voted with their party, it would have been a landslide. And football would have been saved. 
football wouldn't have been used as a political football this week. That brings us to the current GOP presidential primary. Trump is calling everyone stupid and a liar. Ted Cruz is running attack ads. Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, and John Case are, are duking it out for the establishment anti-Trump vote. And I don't know what Ben Carson's doing. Feelings are getting hurt, and the party's getting splintered, just like it did in Louisiana last fall. If the Republicans' goal is to get Hillary elected, this primary is step one in the pro-Clinton playbook. Just keep doing what you're doing. During the GOP debate this weekend, Donald Trump said that everyone at the top of the Bush administration lied about Iraq and the weapons of mass destruction. He said they lied. He didn't say they made a mistake or were fooled by Saddam Hussein's disinformation, but that they lied. Now that, to borrow a Trumpism here, is an incredibly stupid thing for him to say. It's untrue. The Bush administration didn't lie. Neither did the French intelligence forces nor the British leadership who all thought that Saddam had WMDs. So there are two things going on here. Either Trump knows that the Bushes didn't lie, but instead made a mistake, and he's lying now by calling them liars. Or Trump doesn't understand the difference between an error and a deliberate deception. Regardless, the attack against the last Republican president was wrong. If you are trying to ensure that there is a next Republican president. One of the targets of his attack was Vice President Dick Cheney. Cheney appeared on Fox News Monday with anchor Brett Baer, and he was asked point blank about whether Cheney would support Trump after Trump called him a liar on national television. Cheney said he would support the nominee of the party, whoever it is. Cheney was personally attacked, and he said in response, if Trump wins the nomination... Cheney would support the man who had just called him a liar. Regardless of who wins this nomination, regardless of how nasty it gets, whoever gets the nomination will need the full support of conservatives from coast to coast. If he doesn't get it, either Bernie or Hillary will be our next president. And at the same time, because of coattails, the Senate is likely to shift back to the Democrat hands. And the person who replaces Justice Antonin Scalia on the Supreme Court will spend the rest of their lives undoing everything Scalia spent his life protecting. Elections have consequences. And the consequence of not winning in the fall will hurt America badly. It will hurt liberty. It will hurt the free market. And the pain will last for the next quarter of a century at least. Elections have consequences. Thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, americaonpar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. The old glory flying over me. In the first light.